You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 271 and 272 (laughs) of reading. Really, we're reading through the Bible in a year following a program. uh, And we're just talking about it. Yes. We're at that part of the... We just want to say to all of you out there, if you've listened this far... This is not a small feat no. that we are engaging. <laughs> We're getting a little loopy because it's just a lot of work. Like, it just keeps coming at you. But I am seeing it pay dividends in my life. Oh, yeah. I'm understanding the story. I'm understanding uh, my story and just interacting with God in a, in a more uh, perspectival way. Like, I have a little more perspective. Wow. Yeah. It's a real word. Look it up. <laughs> okay. So... We're glad you're with us, and we just turned the corner on Isaiah, Yeah, and we're getting a little breather here with some of the, uh, they're called minor prophets, again, because they don't write as much, Yes, but don't be deceived. There's nothing minor about them. No, they are packed with a super prophetic punch, so let's get to it. Our Old Testament readings for today are the books of Nahum and Zephaniah. (laughs) The end. That's right, we're doing... Two full books today. Unprecedented in our 272 days of doing this. (laughs) Uh, So let's just get to it. Nahum and Zephaniah, under the same God, but two different books. Yeah, and never have made more sense to me in context of the rest of the Bible. Quite honestly, if you've ever engaged these books, and you're anything like me, and you've tried to be serious about reading the Bible... These books, you just figure there's something going on you don't understand. <laughs> it makes no sense to my life. Why would I read it? But we're putting it in the context of the ongoing story mm-hmm. of God on the planet with us. And these two guys are prophets that have really great messages, but they're two different times. Mm-hmm. One is under, and maybe we'll just talk about them, Let's set them up like this, and then say their punchline for each of them. I think yeah. we'll get a good idea. So Nahum is really concerning the Assyrians, and it's under the reign of Hezekiah, correct? Uh, potentially. There's, it's kind of debated. We're not entirely sure. I mean, it's, there's like a 30-year... It could have been written it, within 30 years. It's Hezekiah or um, before Josiah. Right. So it's a little bit before, and but it's safe to guess because it's dealing with the destruction of Assyria, yes. specifically their capital city, Nineveh. Right. Now, pause. Pause. Zephaniah, Zephaniah oh. is written a little bit later mm-hmm. under the reign of Josiah. Yes. And it is concerning uh, God's wrath being poured out on Babylon. Whoa. Or on, Ju- on, on Jerusalem. Judah, on Judah and yeah. Jerusalem via Babylon. Via Babylon, yes. So it's, it's towards that. Both uh, do what the prophets do, which mm-hmm. is say, hey, God's displeased, Mm -hmm. and so therefore his justice is coming because justice is Mm -hmm. one of the things that holds the earth, the world together. It's a a law of God, like gravity, and we actually need justice and we long for justice. And oh, by the way, God is perfect in his justice and it's coming, so you better humble yourself under him or you will be thrashed. Yeah, and and again, just always remember that God's presence brings... uh, Judgment to some and salvation to others. Yeah. So it's bringing one or the other. It's bringing both. And and whoever's being judged, it's because it's for the salvation of other people. Right. 
So let's go back to Nahum. Yes. His announcement is really directed towards the sweet city of Nineveh. Yeah. Which I thought Nineveh was saved, Matt, back with Jonah. (laughs) God, like, relented from destroying Nineveh. Mm -hmm. And now we're finding out through Nahum, whose name means the comforter. The comforter. I told my wife, I said, did you know Nahum means comforter? I want to name something Nahum. And she just kind of looks at me and she's like, I know, I know that's cool, Adam. Yeah. But that word, Nahum, just doesn't roll off the lips. I don't think I want to name an animal Nahum. I'm like, but you name a dog Nahum, that thing is going to comfort you. you know? She's like, oh, okay. And then she just knows I'll forget by the time we get another dog. That's true. Uh, so there's about 100 years okay. between Jonah and Nahum. Okay, good And to know. so there's been, so if you remember, Jonah was sent to Nahum because Israel, the northern tribes, were so unresponsive to God yeah. that God was going to use Assyria to punish and discipline his people. And so he sends Jonah to Nineveh, and Jonah half-heartedly announces the judgment of God, and Nineveh repents and turns, and the Lord relents. And so the Lord sets apart Assyria to go and be a rod of punishment, of discipline to his children. But as we read throughout Isaiah, God says to Assyria, you've gone too far. Right. You've crossed the line. You went beyond what I've called you to do. And so now the rod that I've used, I'm going to break. And so Nahum comes onto the scene to really clearly spell out, Nineveh, your time is over. It's been 100 years. The Lord's been slow to anger, but it's over. You're done. And your judgment is coming. And what's amazing is, uh, again, there's a reference in chapter 1, verse 15. Behold, upon the mountains, the feet of him who brings good news and publishes peace. Yeah. It's so interesting that Isaiah says this, Paul uses this in his armor, and, and, and so the idea will be that Jerusalem will hear good news right. that God is destroying So the Assyria. judgment of Assyria yes. is to the salvation of Jerusalem. And that's what's so... If, interesting is that judgment you you've experienced we've all experienced this judgment is like awful we hate to think Mm -hmm. that god would pour out his wrath unless it's on the people who were being cruel to us then it's like oh praise god there's been justice and judgment there's always the two sides of that there is and so uh in in this book nahum is saying i bring good news to you jerusalem god will and judah god will avenge assyria for going too far yeah but well, then he just focuses on Nineveh. You're going yeah. down. So Nineveh, uh, I just think it's interesting though, that Nineveh received the grace of God 100 years earlier mm-hmm. through the reluctant prophet who was actually a bad prophet. And yeah. now, 100 years later, it's like God really, with justice and with mercy, they should know. So they have mm-hmm. 100 years ago, their whole place was saved because they repented. Right. They are kind of in the same situation as as Judah, like, mm-hmm. you guys should know better. You've seen God turn and relent and bless mm-hmm. you. And so now you're going to be treated with the same ruthlessness and cruelty that you've treated others. God, Correct. God's vengeance is being unleashed against you. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah, and so it's just uh, three chapters of God very, like, publicly dismant- saying, I'm going to dismantle you, and you thought you were going to be forever, and you were going to rule over the world, but you're not. You were only operating underneath my blessing, and now I'm removing it, and it's over. And if you look at this objectively and insert yourself in the story, you start to realize 
Oh, I have moments and many times in my life where God has relented and been just with mm-hmm. me and how quickly he could say, okay, your time's up. Yep. Just because I interacted in your life, you know, several years ago, you have turned from me. So turn back. Mm-hmm. And we find the mercy in all that, of course, is, wait, can I turn back? And the answer is yes. In Jesus Christ, you can return and be under the cover of God. So that's Nahum's thing. And yeah. so there's comfort for uh, the people of God there because Assyria is going down. Now, Zephaniah, I don't know what Zephaniah's name means. Oh, yeah. Zephi. Hmm. But uh, you can look that up while I'm talking and to keep you from zoning out. I don't know what his name is. I don't know if I could find it. But anyway, he shows up, and now his, his message is a little different. Yes. It's not about the enemies of the people of God. It's actually about the people of God. Yes. So now <laughs> Zephaniah is mm, like 30 to 40 years like roughly, yeah. Apart, so Zephaniah was operating around at the same time as Jeremiah was operating, yes. which we haven't read him yet. But so they're contemporaries, and Zephaniah is, uh, is going around saying ba- basically the same thing that Jeremiah was, just right. in three chapters. Now here's the thought: like, why is it so hard? So we look back and we're like, why couldn't they just listen to these prophets? Right. But so I, I always bring it to us today. I try mm-hmm. to understand. And so none of the prophets could persuade the people that God was angry with them. So they're saying, God's angry with us. And their response was, no, we're his children. And he's like, yeah, but he's angry with us. We need to repent. Uh But think about today, all the people, Uh and we've talked about this before in our several hours of talking through the scriptures, but I am confronted again with who is saying today, hey, the church needs to repent. Yeah. And how quickly do we discredit that? Mm-hmm. Like, how quickly have I discredited, like, oh, you know, you don't want to just preach fear into people and go, oh, God's going to send you to hell, so you better believe. Mm-hmm. But, but the difference today, the difference, I'm just recognizing the difference is not that God's not upset with how we're treating one another and treating mm-hmm. him. He's still upset. The difference is we have Christ. Right. That's the only difference. So we can rightfully say, hey, God's displeased with the way you're fornicating, mm-hmm. with the way you're constantly running to other gods for comfort, with the way you're constantly breaking my life. Like, he is upset with you. So turn to your king, Christ. Right. And I think, so like, the gap is much closer now. We can just turn to Christ. Whereas these guys needed to get the nation together and go, we need to have a nationwide repentance. Right. It's just really interesting. But I feel like it's the same thing today. If anyone's critical... And saying, hey, you need to repent. Our mm-hmm. first response is, shut up. We talk about the love of God here right. instead of, oh, God, forgive me. You're right. right. I could, you can accuse me of anything. Mm-hmm. And I think pretty much my response is, let me check that out. I don't know if it's that full accusation I'm going to let land, mm-hmm. but uh, there are definitely strands of pride and, and immaturity and mm-hmm. anger. Yes, and uh, you're right. So, dear Jesus, forgive me and help me with that. Oh, okay. So, okay, so interesting note. Zephaniah means the Lord has concealed, the Lord has protected, and or treasured by God. Oh! So, it's very interesting. because Little Zephy, future baby name. Zephaniah uh, talks about the coming of the Lord as being darkness, Hmm. and it's this gathering darkness, so they're being covered by the Lord. So, this covering, which 
of course, we're, at this point, should all be familiar with the idea of the Lord covering us with the cloud. And so the cloud that once was protecting us from the heat of the sun is now a sign of judgment. Wow. And it's going to plunge Israel, or Judah at this point, into darkness. And so we're waiting for the light yes. to and break so through. Yes. And so he does talk about, I think he, does he talk about the light that comes down? Yeah, is, I mean, a light to all nations. I don't know. There is, um, well, I, okay, speaking of the darkness, mm-hmm. in, in chapter 1, there was a verse uh, 12 yes. that struck me too, and it's the, I think it's the first time it's been said like this. Yes. Complacency. So there's this idea of the, the priests or the people became complacent. Mm-hmm. And here's what that means. They say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. And I think that, is, that struck me as a modern day problem. Right? Because yes. as I deal with my own heart, I deal with part of my doubt comes from mm-hmm. God won't do uh, bad but he also won't do good. So if I want him to grow my family, help me get a new job, Mm -hmm. it's like the complacency is saying he's not active at all. He's not going to do anything, and it's up to me. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, God says, I'll punish that thought. Yes. I will punish that thought, because that's when you become godless. Right. You think I'm not involved, because if I am truly a god, then I will do good, and I will do ill to you, because I love you. Or it'll feel like ill, but it'll be um, mm-hmm. it'll be disciplined. So his God, his wrath is going to rest on materialism, worldliness, and general disobedience, and then it's going to be an unexpected. Mm-hmm. Which I was thinking, every horrible thing that's ever happened in my life, every accident, you did not know the day before or the moments before, right. otherwise you would have changed. And that's what the prophets are trying to do. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. big accident up ahead. Right, right, and then. In chapter 2, we get, uh, because the judgment's coming on, I think, again, because it's coming on Judah, the other nations were being held, yes. like blessed because of Judah's presence. But since Judah's falling, they're now all falling as well. Yeah, it all starts on the outside. Like, they're falling, and it's as a warning for, the God, for God's people. You get mm-hmm. the prophets, and then you get God leaving the other nations. Yes. And I think he says at one point, they're God's are going to be famished. Yes. Did I read that right? So uh, like the idea is He will that, famish all the gods of the earth in chapter 2, verse 11. So so the people would offer offerings to their false gods, but because they're going to lose all their crops and all these things, they're not going to have anything to offer the false gods, and the false gods are going to starve mm-hmm. because God has poured out his wrath on the people themselves, yeah. which just highlights in a really kind of clever way how powerless false gods are. Right. They're not the true god of everything. Right, and then in chapter 3, he, go, he was talking about Nineveh at the end of chapter 2, but then in chapter 3, he says, Woe to her who is a rebellious and defiled the oppressing, the, the oppressing city. And it sets up like he's still talking about Nineveh, but then he like switches it and goes, No, no, I'm talking about Jerusalem. What? You are just as bad. Yeah. And so he's like, again, do not take comfort in your identity as, well, we're the chosen people of God, so God can't be angry with us. Right. They we're just, his kids. It's so we can funny do whatever they, we want. They had that arrogance. And, but and, we have it, I think. Right. And so the Lord is like, okay, well, get ready to be surprised. I'm a pretty consistent parent. Yeah. 
And so, uh, but then it turns. It turns. He has this amazing gospel message, and again, it goes out to all the nations. I know. I love this in chapter verse three, chapter nine. He says, "For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve Him with one accord." And I love that idea that he's going to. It's almost a reversal of uh, the Tower of Babel. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, "I'm going to reverse." Well, this division that's been separating you all, I'm going to unite you all under the one word. It's a prophecy of uh, Pentecost. Yes. The tongues. Yes. You all speak one language of the gospel. And uh, he says, you know, basically he wants to warn us, warn his people to humble themselves and be shielded from his anger. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. God's angry for a while, but his love comes after his anger. You know what I mean? And so... He's going to bless all the nations. All the people will be humbled. And then I thought Zephaniah ended. I actually wrote it down on a card because I did not want to forget this prayer at the end because it's like the, the there's like this comfort, this uh, conversion of the nations. Yeah, where'd you start? 16. Okay. So like on that day, it shall be said in Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the, festi- for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in. At that time I will, when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. I mean, that's just so all good. about God's joy and happiness and, re- and rena- we're renowned. So all the humble, mm-hmm. humiliated people who said, I'm meek and weak in this life, but I trust the Lord. You will not be ashamed. You'll be raised up. Zephaniah, God's, God's treasure. So, so you good. still are his treasure. Yeah. Th- he's fighting for you. I like how Zephaniah and Nahum say it in like three chapters. I know. This is the 66 of Isaiah. They just get to it. Sweet. Done. Two books done. Woo! Woo! All right, let's move on to our New Testament. Our New Testament readings for today are Ephesians chapter 6 and Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 through 26. So we're finishing Ephesians. Oh, man. Yeah. We're just burning through the books. Yeah, the books are coming a little faster here. So he ends, interestingly enough, I think last time we talked about the, began to talk about the household codes. Mm -hmm. Paul used marriage as a way to describe the mysterious knitting together and union, the one fleshness of Christ and his church, Mm -hmm. and tried to use marriage as an example of the sides of uh, the two sides of the same coin of submission and love, submission and loving one another. It's all the same, and um, and then he goes on into applying that to household codes. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you want to know how this works out in your house? Kids obey your parents, right? Yeah, and it's all about again submission and love. Yeah, in fact, he because and you know it's this because it's not a cold hard like kids. You better obey your parents. He he lists the promise. Mm-hmm. And then he says, hey, see, there's the submission, but the mm-hmm. love is, fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. Yes. And slaves and masters, like, obey your masters, 
uh, masters, don't be overburdening and like use thinking you have all this mm-hmm. authority. No, no, it's for unity. This mm-hmm. is all for the unity in the under the gospel. And so there's love and submission, and it goes both ways. Both people have to adhere to submission and to love. Yes. And so even as a slave, you can work from your heart, not just eye service, you know, and then trying to rip off the person you work for, but caring about the business, loving as Christ loves the church, submitting as Christ submitted to God. And so again, his whole point is trying to keep unity within the church, and he's trying to spell this out, like, how does this work? And it works through submission and love, and he's like, and I need you guys to focus on these things, because... The only, like the biggest enemy is not just ourselves. Yeah, there is an actual outside enemy that is trying to work against us and divide us and break us apart. And so, we need to work out the submission and love between one another, and then so that we can be prepared and be on guard to protect against the attacks that are coming constantly from the outside. So traditionally, it's been broken down. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against mm-hmm. spiritual powers and all that. And so, like, the, the easy way to think about who we actually and what we battle against is the flesh. So there's brokenness in our, our flesh. The world, we're in broken systems of injustice and temptation. And, and then the devil. Like, yeah. there's a spiritual uh, enemy that wants to separate us, mm-hmm. not unify us, separate us from God and from one another. So you think, if you sum up the whole law of God as love God and love your neighbor, the enemy, his whole law is, I want you to be disunified to hate God and hate your neighbor. Yes. And so that's, but, but you have to remember, so Paul's just broken down the unity. All this has been fought for and applied by Christ and given to us. And it's pretty amazing. And so that's why he says, stand firm. Mm-hmm. So when we read that we're going into the armor of God, right? The whole idea of the armor of God is Christ has already um, secured and won the victory of this mountain of this earth. Yeah. Now we are on the, the high ground that we just have to protect it. So the enemy is trying to come at us. But we, if we stand firm in our posts, put on uh, not our armor, but we put on the armor of Christ. Correct. So these are, Paul gives us the armor of Christ. This is the armor that Christ wore mm-hmm. to win the battle. So by putting on the armor, like little David and, yeah. and uh, Saul, remember he's tried to put on, um, put David... And yeah. Goliath tried to give him his armor so that uh, Saul, is it Saul? Yeah, Saul would get the victory because yes. it's in his name and mm-hmm. it's his armor mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Well, Christ has actually given us the victory that's proved to be uh, powerful. Yes. So stand firm, put on shoes with like long spikes, hunker down, and with these things. And I'll let you let go through, you know, quickly go well, through the armor. Yeah, right? and then it's cool because he's actually taking and expanding upon the armor of the Lord that we read about in Isaiah. Yes. And, and so it is really cool. Um, I do, I really like this list. This is something I kind of pray about mm-hmm. uh, daily and ask the Lord to put on me. <clears throat> uh, so we have the armor, which is the belt of truth. Well, I should tell people too, I refer to Matt as my armor bearer. <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of teammates in ministry here. And so Matt is a little bit of a warrior. Mm-hmm. than I am. I pray through like Lord's Prayer, Apostles' Creed. Matt, <laughs> Matt goes through the spiritual stuff. It's really great. So we're a team. So like he, he puts this on every day mm-hmm. and I occasionally am reminded by him to do that. <laughs> so we have uh, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, 
Shoes for Our Feet, which is the gospel of peace. That sound familiar? We just read about that mm-hmm. in Sweet Nahum, right? Yeah. The, uh, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Right. Yes. Uh, which is, by the way, the war is over. Christ has raised from the dead. Yes. Shield of Faith. Perfect. Uh, helmet of Salvation. And the Sword of the Spirit. So most of these are defensive, like armaments or tools. And then the last one, the Sword of the Spirit, is the only uh, offensive thing that we are given, which is the Word of God. Yeah. And and uh, it's just fun, like thinking about and praying through these things. A lot of it is, again, it's like an exchange. And what I do is I just kind of go through and I ask the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I exchange whatever lies or truth that I'm trying to give myself, I exchange it for yours. What's your truth for today? What's, Lord, give me your righteousness. I give you, yeah. I give you my unrighteousness, and I exchange yeah. it for yours. And so, again, it's just this idea that I'm submitting to him, and the Lord is clothing us with this armor, and he's given these things to us freely. That's the thing. I can put these on because they're Christ. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like even the, the belt, hold up my whole, hold up my pants with the truth yes. because all I tell myself and I start to live in is the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil and, and the accusations that I'm not strong enough to. That's true. So put on the righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. All that. And again, you know, we could, there's whole books written on the armor of God and, and we're not saying everything. But what I like is that this is defensive. Mm-hmm. We are equipped to defend and maintain the ground that Christ won. Yeah. And that's what Paul's saying. And then I just like too, he says, he wraps it up with praying at all yes. times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Like he makes the case that it's the, um, it's our prayers with the spirit of Christ mm-hmm. that are powerful Yeah, and that work together. And, and for him to be a faithful witness and testimony and what God's called him to do. And so like the anchor for all of this, to me, that, that's what I got. So reading all of this and uh, the unity and maintaining all the things that Christ has given us, it all is anchored through prayer and this constant crying out and relationship with Christ and God. And again, I mean, we just build on this idea what Christ has won, what God has secured and what he's won in the Old Testament to Israel and Judah. What Christ has won is worth protecting and securing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't left you alone in that. I've given you my word. I've given you my spirit. I'm giving you my armor. I'm giving you the church. Be unified under that. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'm forgetting. Oh, yeah, we got we Philippians too. So. so that's the end of Ephesians. Woo! It's kind of, you know, we want to keep going there, but... Now we get to a whole new book. So a whole new book, Philippians. Philippians. Now, just a little background on this. Um, throughout this book, Paul will rely on his citizen, Roman citizenship as a mm-hmm. big deal. Now, the city Philippi is in Greece. Yes. But it had become, um, it, I guess there was gold in the hills back when it was first formed. Like it, first, it was a very fruitful and... Um, powerful little city mm-hmm. and their god there was sylvanus sylvanus the god of the countryside and agriculture okay so they found all these inscriptions and in rocks and things so that's like their main god so it's kind of agriculture it's fruitful and then um it they, of course they they burned through all the resources there and it started to lose some of that but rome saw it as a perfect like perfect go-between mm-hmm. uh, into asia you're right. And connecting Europe and Asia. And so it's a perfect go-between between Rome and Asia and the other parts of the world. And so it becomes basically a little Roman wannabe city because of all these um, all these military guys 
they give them places in Philippi to yeah. retire. And they get they've they've earned their citizenship and mm-hmm. and so it's not a big Jewish it's a city it's an urban area not a big Jewish area so you'll notice throughout the book it's not a lot of Old Testament references because Correct. no one has that that background um, and you'll notice how he a- appeals to the citizenship citizenship and then he'll also use kind of military terms yeah. citizenship in heaven so mm-hmm. he begins boom. Me and my uh, my my boy Timothy were servants, mm-hmm. and again, this audience understands being servants or slaves. I think right from yes, the yes, yeah. The the people he's writing to understand servitude. Most of you were servants, mm-hmm. and now you've gained your freedom here in this kind of new Roman colony. Yes, um, and I was just thinking again of the idea of servant or slave, and how we basically we're traitors to God. We gave up all of our rights to go to the other side because we thought it was safer, only mm-hmm. to find out it wasn't. No. And so by no work of our own can we be reincorporated into the other side because we're traitors and you kill traitors. But Christ has found a way and uh, Christ has made his servants to carry out his will now. And that's how Paul begins all this stuff. And he begins by saying, I want to thank God. I want to reinforce who you are now mm-hmm. as servants of Christ. Right. I want to reinforce and thank God for you um, because... You were a great blessing to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you were my joy. I rejoice because you joined me in the gospel. You know? And, and think Philippi is the place where so many stories take place in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. He meets Lydia. Yeah. This is the place right. where the slave girl, he says, Leave me alone. And it turns yeah, into a yeah. huge riot. He's, in, he's imprisoned, and there's an earthquake, and the jailer's mm. going to kill himself. And he goes, no, right. and he baptizes the whole family. Oh, like, man, I forgot about He has such that amazing that there. adventures here in Philippi. Mm-hmm. But the, the fruit of that labor, I think, is so small, it's easy to be confused. Mm-hmm. And so this letter is, man, I love you guys. You're my joy because I hear that you're still, um, you're still carrying on. Mm-hmm. And one of my... One of my favorite verses, I use this a lot. Well, it comes to my, I should say it comes to my mind a lot mm-hmm. for folks, is that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion yeah. at the day of Jesus Christ. Like he finishes, he finished the work in Christ, mm-hmm. and Christ is gonna finish the work in you. Yeah, as we were reading, as I was reading this uh, section, I the theme for me was that the word of God is going to accomplish its mission no yes. matter what. No matter what. That is the thing. I like that. No matter what. And so he even uses like, I know there's people out there that are preaching the word of God out of rivalry or mm-hmm. envy or spite. But you know what? They're still preaching the word of God right. and it's still effective. And the word of God's still powerful no matter who's saying it. That's... So I thank God for that. And so, yeah, he begins by saying, God's my witness. Mm-hmm. He's... It's not just my own testimony. And here's my prayer. That love may abound, knowledge and discernment, filled, that you might be filled with the fruit of Christ and uh, to give glory and praise to Him mm-hmm. because the world offers a counterfeit love. And it was this idea of there's a, a quantity and a quality to love in Christ and so that we might speak the word without fear. Mm-hmm. And even when people are doing counterfeit, like that's like what right. you said, it's so interesting. He, he's saying like we can be bold. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the motives don't matter. Now you want your motives to line up, but the word of God is so powerful that it's going well, to be effective no matter what. I read in one of the famous books on healing. I read. I just reread a uh-huh. story where 
a, prof, a professor of theology was trying to prove to his students that healing doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you remember reading this story? I, I do, roughly. And, and so he goes, um, he starts talking about healing. And his whole point was to say, look, you can't follow feelings. Mm-hmm. You got to uh, follow the word of God only. Mm-hmm. And so he was pretending, he just copied all the faith healers mm-hmm. that he saw on TV. So like 30 students came forward and he just slams their foreheads. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, you were healed. And he's like just doing it all. And then at the end of it, he was going to be like, how many of you are healed? And he was hoping none of them would be, say they're healed. And he's like, right, we don't need to operate like that. Mm-hmm. But instead what happened was a large majority of the students like legitimately were healed. Like, <laughs> like their ankles, ankles yeah. were not swollen anymore yeah. and broken. Like things, crazy stuff happened. And he was like, uh, why did this happen? And the only thing people could come up with was, well, you were speaking healing in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. And it didn't matter that you were trying to, like, yeah. you did it, and God saw fit, because God heals. Mm-hmm. But it was just an interesting story. Like, oh, there is power. Now, we don't manipulate that power or control it, but... Um, no, the Word of God has power no matter what. And I think speaking that to a military audience yeah, they get it. is so helpful, and they're going like, oh, man, there's a... Like, it's not going to be stopped. Like, right. having the, the idea of being on the side of an unstoppable force yes. is very comforting, especially from a military perspective. So speak it with full courage. Like, mm-hmm. if, if the colonel or whoever the highest guy is says, you got to do this thing, and you hate it, and you know... And I'm telling you, I hate that we have to do this, but you mm-hmm. gotta do it. You do it with full courage, knowing like I don't understand all things, but yeah, I do. That's a good connection. Dude. Yeah. So um, that was like the big thing for me in this section. Well, then the other thing too is like going with that military line of command. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. You're doing. You're trusting in your leader, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, even if no one likes what you're saying, don't be ashamed. Yeah. Um, and be courageous. I like that. I think the end of this section, though, he goes into uh, this idea about for him to live is Christ. Oh, and yeah. To die is gain. Yeah, he does talk about, because he's in prison right now. Right. And so he he's not sure what's going to happen. And he's like, I'm kind of torn. He's like, I, I want to see you guys, and I want to continue on, because I know it would be a great benefit to all the churches. Right. He's like, but also, I kind of just want to be with Christ. I kind of want to be a... I want this to be over. But, uh... it's Yeah, it's pretty interesting. He kind of has a moment of, like, real honesty of kind of showing his cards of, like, this is where I'm at right now. But he's all, he's also saying, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. Like, this can't stop our joy. Right. Because even if Caesar kills me, I'm with God. Right. And if he doesn't, I'm blessing the work, I'm part of the work of God on earth. So, which it does cannot be stopped. Which does have the opportunity to elevate us above mm-hmm. our current situations into a different frame of mind uh, by the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. That's good. Today I'll read Psalm 114. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back. O mountains, that you skip like rams. O hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water 
the flint into a spring of water. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.